The following program is rated TV MALSV. It contains strong language, sexual situations, violence, and nudity. It is intended only for mature audiences. grab your boobs you did. You did. <laughs> i want to grab your boobs it's, oh so your 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 touch your touch as well is am i rubbing off on you that my my love no because i'm weirded out by you touching me right now <laughs> but i love you so much hi scout hi babe how are you i'm good i'm so good i took a yoga class this morning I you blow dried your hair i blew out my hair i'm proud of you you're I, learning i blew out my hair because we have a special guest yes and i wanted to look my best i know why you wanted to look your best yes. too and we're gonna tell her why you wanted to look <laughs> your amazing. best so um it's valentine's day everybody oh my god happy my valentine's holiday. of course it is scout or my day it's not a ho- you know it's not a holiday it's not it's I a hallmark just, holiday i love loving everyone every day so it's my mom and my my mom and my grandpa's birthday would be today my mom's Aww. birthday is today my mom was born on my grandpa's 30th birthday which was valentine's day wow. isn't that nice that is super sweet so little little aquarius babies Oh, I love it. Valentine's Day. So um, nice. because it's Valentine's Day, we decided to bring on someone that Scout and I both love, 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 love. She really needs no fucking introduction. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so we're just going to go down. I'm just going to just going to rattle off a couple of things that you might know her from. I don't know. Welcome to the Dollhouse, Hostel 2. I'm going to throw Roseanne in there because I'm going to chat with her about that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my God. I, I, the, um, Princess Scream Diaries, Scream Franchise. franchise. Um, there's a million things. Heather Mazzarato. Woohoo! Thank you very much for joining us. Yay! Thank you for having me. Oh my goodness. Okay, so we just met. Yeah, we just met you guys. At a convention. And I do have your signature right there. I literally, I found out that you were at the con and I went over to my agent. I was like, oh my God, I have to meet her. She's like, I've been a fan of hers for forever. And so I'm so glad that this has worked out and that we were able to get you on. You were so sweet. You're such a sweetheart. And thank you so much. Scout's going to tell you also, she talked to her mom today and she's, we're just going to dive right into it. She wants to tell you. um, I wasn't sure if I wanted to tell her, Danielle. I'll tell her. She wanted to tell you what, what, what one of her first experiences watching you on film was. So... Um, I watched Welcome to the Dollhouse when I was not supposed to as an eight-year-old, nine-year-old little girl. And it was one of the movies that I would sneak into my bedroom just to watch. And I actually, I started acting when I was eight and I had this student film that I was doing and it was to kiss um, a girl. And I remember watching that and I learned how to kiss from your character in Welcome to the Dollhouse. (laughs) And then my mom was like, oh, you do know that you had like a massive crush on her, right? And I was like, oh, my oh God. My yeah. Gosh. You were like one of my first. First girl crushes, right? A hundred percent. You, Kirsten Dunst, and then Patrick Swayze. There was like <laughs> oh the, three, my God. the three of y'all. That is, that is an excellent company. Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> that, is, that is an excellent, excellent company. You know, it's funny is that I started professionally acting at seven Wow. And the first movie I did was an NYU short film. Oh, there you NYU go. NYU student short film. So. Gosh, I've, I learned so mm. much on those student films. I, I can't even tell you how many I did for USC, UCLA, everything. I mean, I, I, I loved it as a little kid. 
you know, being on set. I'm surprised I never ran into you in auditions in New York back in the day. I mean, we, we might have when we were kids because I was there till I was 13 and I started at seven, too. But I don't Maybe we just kind of cross paths here and there. I don't even yeah, think I saw I mean, you in L.A. either. Well, you were already like a star at that point. But my question is, what were the roles that you were going out for as a kid? Um, I was going out for the tomboy, the tough girl, the girl that didn't get the guy, the best friend, the more the character stuff. You know, I never I never was really like the the lead CW bullshit, you know, pretty girl next door. And which those were never fun anyway. No, 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 never, never did any of that stuff. The supporting is always much more fun. Yes. (laughs) yes right yes (laughs) a hundred percent so you're in you're in new york right now right no i'm in los angeles you're in la when did you move here i am moved here in september of 2014 okay got it were you happy to get out of new york i was but i feel that uh what new york did to my soul in 13 years LA has done in half the time. Oh my God. Oh, no. <laughs> I, see? Oh no. I feel your pain. <laughs> it sucks here. I it moved. I moved six months ago and I'm just back now with working on some stuff with Scout and I fucking hate it here. But she's, she's, where do you live now? I'm in Austin. Yeah. She's out. I'm out. I'm in the country. I'm like, I'm in like the country. But Heather, you were saying that you have like this amazing plan to to move out eventually, correct? Yeah. My my wife is originally from Michigan. So I, that is looking um, like the trajectory that we're going to be taking by the end of the year. Yes. Get a big house on the lake mm-hmm. with some space and some, I don't know, just nature. room to breathe. I think nature, we Scott and I always talk about it. I think nature just calibrates my nervous system. Yeah. I have to like coming back, especially with from conventions or work or whatever, you know, these these traumatic roles that we take, being able to go home and just like decompress around. There's cows no decompressing in Los Angeles. No, no. I mean, it, Los Angeles more. is like waking up in, in your boss's office every day. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, it's true. Wow. <laughs> Maybe yeah. That's what I feel all the time. <laughs> Okay, so I I do want to talk about um, any uh, memories that you have from Welcome to the Dollhouse. What was that audition process like? I actually auditioned for another role. Mm. I auditioned for one of Don Wiener's friends. Mm. And it was, I had just literally wrapped two days before I was playing Helen Keller in The Miracle Worker up at Jiva Theater in Rochester. Wow. And so I had been there from February and then we closed the show because I think it got extended twice. And the, the, the night that we're closing, my manager is there uh, and, and she says, we have an audition for you day after tomorrow. I think it was the day after tomorrow, it might've been like the next day. Um, and I went in and it was like this, big huge room I remember just the room was massive and Todd Todd was there with uh Ann Goulder who was the casting director and I you know did the thing read the lines and um they asked me to go outside and wait and then they asked if I would come back and audition for Dawn (laughs) and so I went back in the room and did a cold reading of Dawn and then uh two days later um I was asked to come back in and, and do a callback, and I did that. And then 
found out I got it and we started shooting, I think the end of June, beginning of July, when independent movies were, were shot in two months as opposed mm-hmm. yeah. to two weeks, 10 yeah. days, yeah. Yeah. seven days. <laughs> yeah. Man. And that, I mean, that pretty much like started everything. So, I mean, how did you want to become an actress? Was that sort of, I mean, like a, I, I hate the word actress. Yeah. I think it's minimizing and demeaning, you know, um, whereas like actor has that solid. Yeah. yeah. Foundation actress sounds very pithy. Mm-hmm. Um, I I often quote Morgan Freeman when I'm asked this question because he he had said when he had received I think his uh, Golden Globe Award within the last decade he said I don't know if I chose acting or acting chose me. Mm, truth, you know, and and that's how it's. Um, I it's hard to explain it's 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 that experience of knowing right where you don't know why you know but you know and this is what I'm meant to be doing yeah we we were talking about it the other day is like you know I I had a really rough childhood growing up like abuse and and stuff like that and when my dad got custody of me I I mean I just they got me into like these acting classes and these things and becoming someone else because of the abuse and everything that I've been through as a child to mm-hmm. pretend to be someone else just came so naturally. And that's, mm. that was my escape. And that's like what I wanted. And I didn't realize that acting was therapy mm. still mm-hmm. is man. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. The shit that I can get out on a role in a movie. I couldn't cry in real life, but I can cry on cue. Yep. You know, <laughs> that's <swear> true. <laughs> you never, you do. You never cry. No, dude, I used to have to sit in my car. I remember breaking up with a boyfriend once and going, why do I feel just nothing? After five years, I feel nothing. And I had to go, I used to go sit in my car and only certain songs would make me cry. So I would put it on and I would try to cry and I would get it out and barely anything would come. And then I'd be like, okay, I'm good. And on to the next. I mean, for me, sets, wow. ha- like set production had, um, and I've always, I always talk about this, had the the structure that I needed mm-hmm. and surrounded by adults that I think also knew that I needed a little bit of extra care um, and were concerned and I wasn't saying anything. And my mom was pretty good. Like my mom was sort of hiding in the trailer. She wasn't like a set mom by any means, but I must have been showing other signs of duress where I had a lot of parents on set, a lot of like cool parents, directors and makeup artists mm-hmm. and everything that really took the time and throughout the years made sure that I was okay. So for yeah. me, it saved my life. But then of course you've got the kid actor thing where you're, you end up doing drugs and getting fucking crazy mm-hmm. and you know, addictions and everything else. And you, you're, you're right. You, we all teeter, I think, right at that time when we're like not getting the jobs that we've worked so yeah. hard for, where we go down the rabbit hole of, oh shit, now I'm, I'm doing this to myself and abusing myself. And I mean, for me, I cut my hair, I put on weight. I was like, fuck this business, fuck everything. I'm not going to get that role. I'm not going to get this role. I'm just going to go, I guess I'm done. You know, I don't know what else I'm going to do, but but it's a it's a slippery slope of uh, especially in L.A. You either this town will chew you up and spit you out so fast. So the fact that we're still all standing here and still working is like even though it's a fight, Scout's like, yeah, I, um, I'm like, am I standing? You are. You are <laughs> but, standing. But I, I constantly feel that I constantly go through those episodes. It seems like every two months I'm going through that. Yeah, I literally am. It's a it's a constant battle. It's a love hate relationship with this industry. 
yeah in this this job <laughs> but is it but is it for for me I always felt okay when I was financially secure you know we all have that like if I just got if I just got the series mm-hmm. if I just got that thing I would be okay because I know I've got okay I've got six months of work and then I'll yeah. be on hiatus and I've got if I'm making you know $15,000 a week or twelve five a week or whatever on the show then I know I'm good to pay my bills for two yeah. years even if I don't work after that year like I used to write notes on airplanes I'd write lists Mm-hmm. Of like how much money I had in each bank account and how much more time I had to survive before I would be zero. And that was yeah. like constant, constant, constant. It's fucked up. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and within that, I then also think of like people that aren't in our industry that are working three jobs. Yeah, of course. You oh, know, yeah. That like barely have time to like sit down, let alone, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's that thing of you know, when, when one starts so young, you know, I mean, what seven-year-old is paying taxes? I know. know? Like when, when you start so young, you're not aware of the, the mechanism that is running the business. Right. And and I, I've always leaned more into the artistry and, and the, the creative aspect of it all. And, and the business to a certain degree was foreign to me. Like I didn't, it didn't compute in my mind. Um, And, you know, also that idea of continually chasing this thing, Mm -hmm. right? So a lot of it is is fear-based as opposed to the, I've, I mean, I've had moments where I've, I've literally, and it's the most um, humbling experience where you have $50 in your bank account. Yeah. You're like, hey, do you mind giving me 500 bucks? I have a residual that's coming in like five days mm-hmm. and I'll hit you back, you know, especially under the guise of that idea of responsibility, you know, like I've always been very frugal in, in terms of my spending. I've, I've always been very aware of what I have. Um, and, and with that, it's, it's the feast or famine. Were you financially responsible for your parents growing up as a kid in the business or did they continue to work? I, my, my, my dad, my, my adoptive mom, uh, didn't work. I mean, her, her job was taking me to set and, and doing all of that stuff. Um, and she also got money, um, as a foster parent, which is how I came into her home. Um, but my, my dad worked as a data processing manager, uh, for Intamin's bakery, you know, um, but I didn't have, I didn't have access to any of my money until I was almost 31. What? How? 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 I had to call my, I had to call my adoptive mom every three months and ask her for my money. Oh my. And it was that thing that I had tried to fight, you know, um, in my early twenties. Who set that up that way? Well, when you, start working at such a young age, the kid can't have a bank account on their own. Right. Right. So you have a bank account that has two names on right. my name and my adoptive mom's name. And um, 
you know, I, I then like when I turned 18 <clears throat> and, and went to college and whatever, which I was only at for two months, you know, I had like a Chase account and then all of the money that I would get from new jobs, I, I would put into that account. Right. But all of the residuals went. Oh, shit. All of like that stuff went to her. Um, and it was it was a. I, I didn't know at that time, but I know now <clears throat> about um, financial abuse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and uh, you know, I think that her way of one of the many ways that uh, she controlled me was through my money. Yeah. You know, um, and... I, I remember the last time I saw my dad before I was I was moving to Los Angeles. Uh, we were ending our lunch because I went no contact with my adoptive mom uh, in 2013. Um, and he asked me, he was like, did Camille, sorry, didn't, did, my, did, did your mom take, take uh, your money? I was like, I, I, I don't know. I don't think so. So the truth is, is that I don't know. Mm. And with that, getting to recognize that at 40 years of age, I am financially independent and I have worked through my issues and, and my fear with money. It doesn't mean that the fear doesn't you know, come up, but there, there is also, I think, something to be said in this space of, because forget about being an actor, when you start to get some notoriety and you start to get recognized, mm -hmm. right, and, and people start to know who you are, um, all of these assumptions are made. Oh, yeah. About you. And with that, then, that fear-based egoic proposition of, I can't do anything else to make money. I can only be an actor. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until my mid-30s um, <clears throat> where, you know, I, I wasn't working as much. And, you know, independent films pay you absolute fucking dick. Mm -hmm. um, and, like, not a lot of money is coming in. Much more money is going out. And because, I mean, hello. <laughs> like, yeah, life. Sakes. Um, and I started doing script consulting and that absolutely saved my ass. And it also allowed me to have a much wider perspective that at the end of the day, there are so many ways in which, um, I bring value mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be just solely one thing. And I, there's a, a, a gratitude that I have that, you know, I, I get to offer something like that. And it's been much more rewarding and fulfilling, um, not only as, as an artist, but just as, as a writer, as, as somebody that, um, oh, these are the things that like people are writing about. These are, this is the themes that I'm starting to see emerge, right. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and yeah, and I, got, I, I got to learn something new. And I think that uh, getting to stay teachable is something that keeps you young. Yeah, for sure. 
you know so like that that like that for me uh you know it's life is i mean for fuck's sakes ladies we're 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 literally sitting here talking as as we're on a fucking globe that isn't spin that is i know seamlessly right. it's wobbling yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah so it's like and we've got you know, one life one life that's it it's true so they say you know who knows i don't know I, what's after I, I, I would I would challenge that in the space of I think a lot of people forget about their dream life. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> true. Was either one long life, <laughs> <laughs> or, or it's two, the 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 uh, nocturnal and and the day. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, who the fuck knows? <laughs> that's so crazy. I feel like that's something that you know when you were saying that you you realize that you know. That's something that I'm going through right now, realizing that I I can do other things. There's been such a fear that this is all I'm good at or this is all I've known. Yeah. And so what else can I do? And so I'm going through that now of realizing there are so many opportunities. There's so much knowledge out there. There's so much that we as human beings have the power to be able to do. You've survived the industry as a child know, actor and you're still working and sitting here and able to support yourself financially. So you're doing something right. But it's insane. And I don't know if it's like if it's insecurities that happen when you're a child actor that just like get in your head. Well, and yeah, like, you want to be good. Good. Yeah. Am I good enough? Am yeah. I, but th- that that is what needs to go out the fucking fucking front door down the street in the fucking trash can you're a woman too i mean you're adding you're adding that on top of the pressure of being good enough you know yeah i mean and 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 it's also it's 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 hmm. i think that there's a difference between a child actor and an actor who happens to be a child Mm -hmm. and i feel that i fell into the category of an actor who happens to be a child Mm -hmm. you know i wasn't on the cover of teeny bopper magazines Mm -hmm. it didn't have that that massive and stained um, deluge of of all eyes on me all the time. Mm. You know, I was a working actor that happened to be a child. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I I know for me that 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 the set was the only place that I felt that I got validation for just existing in beings. Yes. Oh my God, yes. I feel you know? so much. <laughs> and and so true. you couple that with this thing you can't explain that's inside. Mm-hmm. Where it's I know I, I I know this. Like I I I know how to do this. And not only do I know how to do this, it's not even something I can fully take credit for. Yeah. You know, it's something that almost feels bigger than you at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, you, you get into that space where um, you start having expectations. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the expectations that kill you. Yeah. It's the expectations of where you think you're going to go. The kind yeah. of career you think you're gonna have, just talking about yeah. On the couch, <laughs> now as opposed to staying open and curious, and um, as somebody that also was raised in a very abusive household, you know that uh, 
desire to be seen as good enough mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that that desire to um well if i do this well enough then maybe you'll love me oh my god then Don't make maybe me cry. I'll, I'll be okay um and then the phone starts ringing less and less mm-hmm. and it's the double down on well i just there there mu- there must be inherently something wrong with me yeah inherently wrong with me and it's it's the 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 inner detective is is always looking to uh make the case mm-hmm. that that you're less than shit mm-hmm. you know um and that is where at least for me um uh, doing work with theogens and psychedelics has, has <laughs> we are the same tremendously. <laughs> <laughs> we are the same human being. <laughs> so tell me about your work same with psychedelics. Here, same here, girl. Let me let me hear your psychedelic experiences. Daniel, I have not done psychedelics. I know, need to oh, I'm afraid of my demons. Help you so much. Well, here's the thing. I don't think it's for everyone. No, that's true. I don't. It's not for everyone. It is not a magic bullet. Um, I had spent 11 years in Alcoholics Anonymous Mm. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and again, you know, like everything else, I'm, I'm sure that there are good meetings and good people and whatever, but I, I personally, it, it, um, it brought me to my knees in a way that wasn't healthy. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I've been going to therapy and, and part of like the whole AA thing is like prayer meditation. And also just the focus is on you in the space of where you've been dishonest, where you've uh, been fearful, where you've been self-centered, where you've been selfish. And as somebody that historically has um, always internalized mm-hmm. the problem in the space of it must be me. Mm-hmm. And it can't possibly be this ass fuck, you know, <laughs> that just treated me like shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, <laughs> like, it's always like, I, of course, they're justified in treating me like shit. Of course, they're justified in, in treating me like less than nothing. Yeah. Um, because that was the messaging that I got growing up mm-hmm. that I, you know, like it essentially was said to me that because um, I came to that house through the foster care system and it was no one else loves you. No one else cares about you. I'm the only one that loves you. And uh, you should feel grateful that that you were even taken and, and brought into this home. How old were you when you went into the foster care system? I was two and then officially adopted when I was five. Um, so, so my journey with psychedelics was I had always been terrified of them. And, you know, through the course of my 20s, I was praying, I was meditating, I was doing all the things, I was in therapy, I was like being of service to people like out the butt, like just doing all of the things that I thought were right from the people that were telling me that these are the things that will make you happy. These are the things that will get you to a space of joy. But meanwhile, I'm... literally holding on to the the railing at the 14th street union square station in new york 
because I, I'm afraid I'm going to jump in front of a train. Oh my God. Like when I say like suicidal ideation, like massive, massive, massive depression. And um, I've been working with a specific therapist who also had been sober. And he had said to me, you know, um, I think we've hit a bit of a ceiling, but have you ever thought of doing ayahuasca? And I was like, Iowa? <laughs> and so I did two years worth of research. Wow. Um, like listening to as many podcasts as I could find, reading as many books as I could find, um, but not really feeling like, I don't know, like, I don't know, I don't know. But then I just got into, um, I moved to LA in September of 2014. And by October of 2015, I was completely on my knees. I was afraid to leave my house. I was afraid to drive my car because I thought I would drive it off the PCH, like just a shell of a person, um, all while doing the same things, like the meditating, the praying, the, like just getting out of self, getting out of self, getting out of self, getting out of self. Um, and I get to see now that I was just really abandoning myself continuously. Um, and I said a prayer to the universe, Mother Aya, and I was like, universe, Mother Aya, whatever the fuck. If I'm meant to sit with you, I'm, I'm willing, I'm open, I surrender. And I happen to, reading, to be reading Shonda Rhimes' Year of Yes. Hmm. Quote, unquote, out of the blue, out of the blue. Um, I'd gotten a call saying that there was a single spot available to work with the medicine down in Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. And I said, no. <laughs> of course. <laughs> that was the first thing I said, no. <laughs> I, I hung up the phone and I was like, damn it, Heather, you're literally reading this book about the woman. Yes. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> like, and and so I called back and I said yes and I found myself in Costa Rica in February of 2016 uh, to work with this medicine for 10 days and it wow. completely changed the trajectory of my life and again you know it is not for everyone. It is not a magic bullet. Like the most important work comes after you sit with the medicine mm -hmm. because it's getting to take everything that you've learned, everything that, that you've received and getting to implement it um, into your life. And, you know, I, I then found myself like my life was getting a lot better, at least internally, but I still had some severe sex trauma that, that, was was really causing some trouble for me and um i ended up getting introduced to this uh wonderful being that did mdma assisted psychotherapy mm. and that literally saved my life and i haven't had um a severe depression or um suicidal ideation since october 2016. Yay. oh my gosh good wow. for you good for you yeah yeah, you know, so like it's so that's the thing where it's I've never been one that I've never been one to take drugs just for the fuck of it. I mean, save for when I was 19 and went through my little coke binge, mm -hmm. you know, but um, who hasn't? 
Um. <clears throat> hey guys, do you remember those New Year's goals you promised yourself you would stick to? Do you? HelloFresh is here to help you eat better by delivering fresh ingredients and super easy recipes right to your front door, totally taking the hassle out of dinner time. Get HelloFresh and skip that extra trip to the grocery store and those long checkout lines. You know those self-checkout lines, 15 items and under. Oh my God. Spend more time doing the things that you love with delicious chef-crafted recipes delivered to your doorstep. HelloFresh's pre-portioned ingredients and super easy to follow recipe cards mean that you can get a delicious home-cooked dinner on the table without all the time-consuming meal planning or prepping. You'll only find quality ingredients in HelloFresh's recipes. In fact, ingredients travel from the farm to your home in less than seven days, so you know they are fresh. I love HelloFresh. You know what I realized? How much money I was overspending at the grocery store buying so much food, I didn't realize how little I actually needed to make it delicious. HelloFresh taught me that. It was really, really saved me during quarantine, you guys. So go to HelloFresh.com slash TalkScary65 and use code TalkScary65 for 65% off plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash TalkScary65 and use code TalkScary65 for 65% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. <laughs> I was too busy in the SLAA fucking. I wasn't, yeah. uh, I wasn't doing drugs. I was doing the other. I was destroying myself in other ways. Yeah, so, you know, so, uh, so, so with that, you know, that, that to me has, has been uh, an active tool that I put in my toolbox and my wife and I go to see this uh, wonderful being once a year. Wow. together to sit with the medicine and um you know i i think that um they can be very 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 helpful tools if you also you know have a very clear intention of what you want to work with and at least for me the set and setting is incredibly important mm -hmm. getting to have a guide with you yeah getting to have somebody that um has had thorough knowledge of working with these various medicines, you know, because it's, it's a, it, it can be quite scary and it can be quite terrifying, you know, that the ego death is, it's a death, mm -hmm. you know, and um, it, it, it brings us, I feel, or at least it brings me back to that space of who are we, why are we here? What is it to die, ultimately, um, and what is it to what is it to die while you're still alive in order for something new to be born? Mm -hmm. You know, which um, a lot of times requires uh, my nails to be stripped from whatever it is that I'm holding. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> to get into that space of of all right, I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to say uncle and let go. Yeah. I haven't, I, I've, I've had such a fear of doing ayahuasca just because I'm very similar with you have fought depression like my entire, entire life. Like this mind can get pretty, pretty low and pretty, pretty dark and pretty fast, but no one will know but me. 
and I'm very, very good at hiding it. And I've, I've worked through that sort of process. And, and I, even when I would smoke weed, I would go to the darkest place possible. Um, when I did cocaine, I would go to the darkest place possible. When I would drink, I would go to the darkest place possible. Just like every sort of substance. And I have such a fear with that because my mind goes to such dark, scary, like it's this dark, scary place. And I know it's things in there that I have blocked out. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm very good at blocking out. And so I'm just so afraid when I do do that journey that I will... But you'll be free. Maybe. I you, mean, you know, if nothing I, changes, if nothing changes. But that battle, going through that battle is so scary. Yeah, but you have to. Yeah. You deserve to. No, I definitely I definitely want to do it. But it's like when... It's scary. Yeah. What do you think about ketamine therapy? That's kind of I, been the new um, thing. I but, have not engaged in ketamine therapy, so I, I don't have any opinion on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that um, different modalities of therapy are helpful for different people, you know, and I feel like we're having a bit of a psychedelic renaissance right now, right. which is which is really, really beautiful. Yeah. And I think that um, uh, clinicians and, and whatnot are, are, are learning uh, the mistakes uh, from the mid 50s through the late 60s and, and whatnot. You know, because everything is neutral. It's it's how the person uses it or utilizes mm-hmm. it that that really makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. You know, um, <clears throat> like some people do like those cold like cold bath therapies. Right. Some people it's you know like whatever whatever is going to work for you as as long as um, there's a consent involved and and be um, everyone is safe. Did you um, meet your wife after you got sober? Did she, or did you know her before then? I met her. Um, I met her in 2016. After I, I mean, I'd gotten sober in 2005. Wow. So I actually made my journey out of that 12-step program. Um, it, it was a 2016 was a big year for for all involved (laughs) (laughs) in all the ways. Yes. (laughs) What was your wedding like? What? What was your wedding like? Oh my gosh. Oh, it was, you know, it was really beautiful. Um, I would call it high class trashy. Yes. Yes. We love that. (laughs) It's going to be in the space. No, we had like, we, we literally, there is a, a website called hip camp, um, where you can like rent a campsite or like a, a ranch, whatever. And we found this ranch, um, like two hours North, like by Santa Barbara. And, um, we had people come for a weekend some people brought RVs, some people bought, brought, uh, you know, tents and sleeping bags. We had 20 guests total mm-hmm. and we got all of our booze and food from Costco. Yes. And, what I do. Uh, love Costco. <laughs> and a friend who's a chef uh, made this gorgeous dinner and we had friends make beautiful sides. Like my friend Janae makes a fucking mean kick-ass artery clogging mac and cheese. Yes that it's to die for and we had a bonfire and we 
danced under the stars and then woke up in the morning and uh, had a massive breakfast uh, for the rest of the people that were there. And then we uh, packed up and went home. Who proposed to who? I proposed to my wife. Aww. How did you do it? <laughs> um, well, I uh, I had just bought myself a, a new camera, a new Nikon, because I, I, I love photography and I love taking photos. And I said to her, I was like, maybe we could like go to the beach um, at sunset. I would really love to be able to test out my camera to do like a time lapse of the sunset. Like, would you be down with that? And she was like, yeah. You know, so uh, we we went, because when we were first dating, um, we would drive along the PCH and we would just drive to all of these various beaches. And we found this beach that we both just loved that became like our beach. So I brought her to like our beach. Um, and there happened to be two people that were sitting on this log. And I'm like, God damn it, son of a bitch. <laughs> That's my log. log, you fucker. Like, this is like a ruining mess. <laughs> and I'm terrified. I'm, I'm terrified. And, and uh, luckily they left. And uh, I set up the camera. And my my DP skills were on point <laughs> as I pressed record and I was like, let's just like go, let's just go sit here. And she had no idea. Um, and then I I asked her to marry me. And um I had I had actually booked us like this beautiful Airbnb in Malibu that's like right along the cliffs that like is overlooking the ocean and um <clears throat> It was it was a it was a beautiful it was a beautiful beautiful experience and I was very thankful I pulled it off. <laughs> yes, I feel such love from you. Like you talking know. about your wife just then. <laughs> so where is the photos? What did you do with them? Oh, there it, it it's uh we, we have some that that we printed out, um and and whatnot um that like we, we just moved so we're we're still in the process of unpacking and all of this stuff but um yeah the the stills are in frames mm. i love that <laughs> yeah. so cute. how long were you together before you proposed two years two years oh wait heather is that true <laughs> you better know <laughs> yeah that's true that's okay true. okay <laughs> We all do that. I mean, listen, post-pandemic, yeah. what the fuck is Yeah, fine. I don't know. Yeah. I, what year is it? No idea. Exactly. <laughs> wow. So, so you met, you met uh, my fiancé and I met around the same time that you guys met. And I, I proposed to my fiancé. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to do it. I, we went to Disney World and we went to Epcot and we drank around the world. And by the time I got to France, I was like, all right, I had, I'm, fu- I'm fucked up. That was, that was the time. <laughs> he bawled like a little baby. Oh, I bawled. That's so sweet. It was crazy. Oh, and then, I love that. And then he proposed to me at Burning Man while I was in Mermaid Chaps in Topless. Topless in the desert. <laughs> All right. It's perfect. All right. Yeah. I like it. Great time I like over it. here. <laughs> so I want to know, I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about this. There's so much to talk about. I know. I know there's so much. I know. And it's, it's we're already. <laughs> I know. It's okay. We'll go a few minutes. Um, so, we just watched um, 
some of your your scene in in Hostel Two. Yeah, we were just refreshing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My God, I, I I just want to. to I just th- want to know why did you do that movie? Uh, well, Aside from just working, I mean uh, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Like when I mean Quentin Tarantino. I mean I love Eli and I love Quentin and I think I have an audition for it. But after seeing you do that, I was like, I I I don't know if I could have done that. I don't know how you did that. And I mean, at the time, it was like I read that scene and I was like, my inner actor was like, I know, yeah, like hell yes, because there is something where it's um, you're proving to yourself just how far you can play the growth edge in terms of physically, mentally, emotionally, you know, all of that. Um, And what was helpful is that we shot that movie entirely uh, in sequence from beginning to end. Oh, cool. You know, so even if it might not have been conscious, the, uh, um, the emotional through line, at least for my character, you know, by the time we got to shooting that scene, you know, I knew exactly where she was. You know, if we had shot that day one, mm-hmm. it might have been a very, very, very different experience. Which is what they you like know, to do. That's what they would normally do <laughs> if you're going to take your clothes off, you know, just in case you yeah. freak out. Yeah. And by then, like, I, I really fallen in love with the crew and and everyone was great. And, you know, I could tell that first day that we were getting ready to shoot that scene. I was wearing a robe and and the tension was palpable on yeah. set. Like yeah. everybody was like extra quiet and like, <sighs> and uh, there's this Czech phrase that I learned there that was dobry den kosi den, which means good day tits out. <laughs> so I walked onto set the, the morning that we're, we're supposed to start shooting that scene and uh, I just whipped off my robe and let it fall to the floor. And I was like, Dobri then, Kosi then. Good. And everyone started uh, laughing hysterically. The tension was completely broken. Oh, good for and you. We, we you got to shoot that scene. Well, because it's that thing of sometimes. An actor is someone that needs to break the tension. Yes. Mm-hmm. In the space of like, y'all don't need to worry about me. Like, yeah. I got this. We're good. And yeah. if you're a tense, you're not going to be paying attention to the things that need to be paid attention to. Mm-hmm. And I I advocate for myself enough in in those times that I need that that if there is a problem, I I will let you know and we'll get it handled. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I I trained for that for two months. And I started off being able to hang upside down for 30 seconds at a time. And every day I would uh, implement another uh, between a 30 seconds to two minutes. Wow. And so by the time we got to that scene, I was able to hang upside down for 25 to 30 minutes at a time. <gasps> Wait, do you want to tell her what the other girl told us yesterday? So we were, ta- we were talking to um, uh, another actress that was on our show last week and she has a scene in Terrifier where she's hanging yeah. upside down in the, the hacksaw yeah. scene and she was saying that she'd done research and it was I think 42 or 43 seconds, 45 seconds. seconds that your brain can start to have seizures. You can start to have seizures from being upside down and that she actually got 
very, very sick and she got, but she wasn't even harnessed to anything. They straight up just shackled her and, you know, like that's so crazy. Oh, I wasn't, I wasn't harnessed. You were How harnessed? was your, well, what was your, what were your feet bound with? They, they were literally just bound with like ankle straps. That was it. That was it. Ankle straps, no uh, padding on the floor, like 15 feet up in the air. Right. Holy fuck. Yeah. Oh, that was my it. God. Yeah. And you were you were completely naked. Yeah. Or did you have a, a the, the vagina patch on or any of that stuff? Or it doesn't I really matter. I think I, I like it doesn't whatever matter. if you sweat and nobody, it comes off in two seconds yeah. anyway. Yeah. Nobody sees my vagina. So yeah. like in the final product. So right. Like, who gives a fuck? Yeah. I mean, we're kind of like that. I'm sort of like with nudity. I'd re- I'm like, fuck it. I'm not I'm un- I'm comfortable. I'm fine. You don't need to be uncomfortable. I'd rather just take it off and chill. And we were talking about that. I hate being covered in between stuff. I just need to be left. I just need to be left alone because yes. if I can use the environment and use what's going on, the performance is so much better. Don't come interrupt me in the middle of something like that because it just completely makes me start over again and it fucks with my head. So just, yeah, and it's a I'm very good. westernized thing. You know what I mean? It's very, it's the, the Europeans are much more lax with, with nudity. Right. And I wish that we were much more lax with nudity and much more um, uncomfortable with violence, which I know is ironic considering the scene that we were talking about with that movie, you know, and looking back, that is not something that I would do again. You would not do it again? Just in the space of, um, as I've gotten to detox from white supremacist Mm-hmm. ideology and patriarchy and and all of that stuff and and uh being used as as an object in that way that it, that is and 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 just what it says right um is is not something that i would desire to be a part of i'm grateful that i got to have the experience and i'm grateful that when my tits are to my ankles <laughs> yes. i will have that to look back your on your tits look fabulous your abs were fucking i know we were sick. like damn i mean it's all those look months those of, of fucking hanging upside down maybe we need to do that i was like damn <laughs> she's got a 12 pack <laughs> reach your toes reach your toes her tits are great and she's got a 12 pack that bitch <laughs> now i know why you wanted to do that scene damn it <laughs> i mean we all take those roles i mean i know i do i definitely pick those those like wow that's a really I can sink my teeth into that. I'm going to be raped and tortured and put in a cage and, you know, all these things. And then you do it and you're like, I, I love what just came up and I don't ever want to feel those things again. I'm glad that I got it out because it was stuck in there from, I don't know when, but now I'm good. Now I'm like high and euphoric. And I just don't think that I could put myself through that stuff again. It's just not for me. And it's not even a question of like putting oneself through it. It's, it's really, you know, what is the, for lack of a better word, you know, what is the legacy that I want to leave behind? What are, you know, at least for me, getting through to the space of um, I want to be able to be much more conscious with the choices that I make. Yeah. And I understand the business side of it in the space of like, sometimes you need to work in order to pay the bills. But as we talked about earlier, I've I've gotten an opportunity to pay the bills in other ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I get to have a little more freedom in terms of, and also just getting to recognize my value as an artist in the space yeah. of, That's it. 
of my energy is precious. Yes. Yeah. My, my creative mind is precious mm-hmm. and it's a very intimate and vulnerable experience. And not everyone is worthy of, um, of experiencing that, that vulnerability for me, you know, right. I'm like, it's, and that's been relatively new for me, but it's, it's incredibly, incredibly important. The greatest gift that I found from doing the convention circuit is yeah. the, the support from the fans and the freedom to then pick and choose what I have to do on film that stays forever because I'm able to support my family thanks to them. And they're the ones that are going to go watch the movies anyway, too. So it's like I'm getting the best of both worlds, but I can. And I can also take a movie for very little amount of money because I just want to do it. Yeah. And I love it. Exactly. And it, I don't need yeah. to go. Oh, I don't I can't take it because it's going to lock me up for a month. And I what if I miss something else? You know, it's it's really been a huge, huge blessing. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's, and, and, and it's. You know, I just got back from a convention in Atlanta um, and, you know, this is essentially like the first year I've I've been doing conventions, period. Um, And it's, I don't know about y'all, but, you know, half the time, I, I forget who I am in the space of, you know what I mean? Where yeah. it's like you're walking down the street and like, you, yeah. you know, um, and knowing that like millions of people have seen movies that I've done and of those millions of people that there are thousands of people within those millions that, um, that have felt seen because of the work that I've done is is so incredibly humbling and and so incredibly touching. And the experience that I had this past weekend, and I'm curious about the experience for, for you two, you know, I met somebody this weekend who was actively dying of heart failure. Mm-hmm. and wanted me to sign some stuff for their best friend's daughter because when they die in a few months, everything is going to their best friend's daughter and wanted to like build a film library. I spoke to somebody else who's um, who would watch Welcome to the Dollhouse with their sister and it was like their thing and they would do it every weekend and um, they just lost their sister to suicide, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, it's and and I, I feel it's so and, and I didn't realize that not everybody does this, but it's it's I don't have a time limit with the person. Like I like it's not like okay, two minutes and we're done. Oh yeah. Mm-mm. You know, it's like some people drive 15 hours yeah. just to get like a few moments with you. Yeah. And 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 it's an honor to be able to hold space in that way. And and it, it's left me with that feeling of, wow, Heather, like you really made like a deeper impact than, than you can even begin to like comprehend or understand, except in the space of when 
I very rarely fangirl. I very rarely uh, <clears throat> have that kind of, because most of the people that I would fangirl about are dead. <laughs> 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 like Judy Garland, I'd be a blubbering oh, idiot. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know? Um, I was a blubbering idiot when I went up to your table. <laughs> You were an absolute doll baby, and, and like, hey. I'm so thankful that you did. You know, but it's that it's it, you know it's it's a it's it's its own ecosystem. It's 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 really 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 interesting. And like, of course, you know, as in all walks of life, you get the people that you need to set those boundaries mm-hmm. with. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like loving boundaries, but boundaries nonetheless. You know, but for the most part, like the conventions, like not only provide like a, a way for me to pay bills and whatnot, but it's that thing of like the return is that like, yeah, but I've been giving of myself for three, four years. I've been giving all of myself for three, four years and, and you know, it's, 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 it's like a nice full circle moment. I think we get more in return. Yes. hundred percent. Than we give. And the more I do it and the older I get, the more grateful I am for Mm -hmm. those moments. Yeah. They don't make me, they used to make me a little uncomfortable. I didn't know what to do with those feelings when somebody would come up and say that stuff. And now I just want to hold them and hug them and, and take that with me. And it fills me. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's lovely. And then I like you, I get mad when I see these other people like being dicks yeah, to being them assholes. or, you know, or giving them 33 seconds or being, Next. you know, dismissing or yeah. it makes me so like, how dare you? Like, who do you think you are? These people like you don't ever want that experience to to be, you know, but they say sometimes never meet your idol. But I don't want to think that, you know, huh. I want to give someone that amazing experience. And we definitely get more out of it from them than 100%, they get from us. hundred percent. Or it's equal because the truth is you'll never know fully how they, how you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's that it's, it's, it's getting to be in the space of reciprocity on both ends, you know, where it's, I am receiving just as much as you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and like a new connection is made, you know, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Well, we wrote, um, we posted on our Instagram some questions uh, that fans wanted to ask you. So mm-hmm. I'm sure you've been, you know, the typical, you've been asked a hundred times, but we're going to just go ahead and rattle some off and see if we can get some insight. Uh, yes. Okay, okay. So here's a ton of people have been asking this. Will she return to the Scream franchise? Well, you're going to have to see uh, the next Scream. <laughs> Damn it. And if enough of you go... Uh, maybe there will be one more to round out uh, this version of a trilogy. What's your favorite thing about Wes Craven? His fucking mind. His mind. Yeah. His heart. Like one of the most generous directors and just beings I've I've ever encountered in my life. Like him and Gary Marshall are just... Mm. Do you think you know. the the whole uh, drama with with Nev would have been different if Wes was in charge? That she would have never let that happen, or do you think? I mean, I don't. I we were all sort of baffled by. Yeah, that's uncalled for. I mean, I think I, I, I honestly, I I do not know the answer. I do not own the answer to that question. You know what I do know is that if you are the star of a franchise that has earned 
the studio billions of dollars. Yep. I think that you're 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 worth the price of admission. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's it to them? Good for her. What's it to them? Good for her. Say fuck you then. So we've all we've all sort of been <laughs> in that situation um, of 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 the projects moving on without us who created mm-hmm. the the foundation for it. <laughs> like you, you know, and uh, and it's it's a very um, sickening um, pit in your stomach just goes triggers all of that shit from when we were children of why am I not good enough? You mean what we were just talking about? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing. Same shit. And within that, I'll tell you what, um, I have dodged so many bullets. I've dodged so many bullets in that way in the space of um, why am I going to want to, why am I going to want to give myself to someone that doesn't, doesn't value you. Yeah. what I can bring, yeah. you know, where it's, and, 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 and that's how I look at those things now, you know, where it's, it's, you're the one that's missing out. Like, it's not me. Do you, do Amen, you, sister. It's Amen. hard. It's hard to talk. I, you have to talk yourself. I have to talk myself into those thoughts, though, because the the larger mm-hmm. part of me goes, "What did I do wrong? Yeah. You, what did oh. I do wrong? Whose cereal did I piss in? Who's mad who at me? I, yeah. Did what I, did I do? Scout and I talk about that all, all the time. Saying, like, what yeah. did we do? But ninety five percent of the time, it, like, it never has anything to do with you. It's like, oh, they remind me of like my ex girlfriend or my right. mother or. Right. Bah, 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 or they just met some new young thing and it's like, oh, I'm going to promise you, bah, 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 bah. you know, or it's like it, it, unless it's explicitly stated that it had something specifically to do with you. And in that case, then I'm like, why do I want to work with somebody that um, lacks prop, problem solving skills? Right. And, if you actually had respect for yourself and me and the project, you come and we talk it out. And right. if we can work something out, that's great. You know, it's, it's, and, and, and so in that space, I've never, um, that's not true, Heather, let's be honest. I've always gotten to see in hindsight that the roles that um, I didn't get especially the ones that like there would be like an offer and then it's taken away blah, yeah. blah, blah, and all that stuff. It's um, the universe was, uh, they say that the universe is, is reject is it that sorry, that rejection is the universe's protection, mm. like you know? That. So that's how I try to view it. And obviously I have moments where, you know, I'm like Goldie Hawn in First Wives Club or <laughs> Sally Field in Soap Dish. <laughs> no. I actually but. watched I actually watched Soap Dish on film at Tarantino's house. Did you? I did. <laughs> Because I hadn't, I hadn't seen it, and he was like, "You haven't seen it. I have it on film." And like, sat down and watched. I think I fell asleep like a dumbass, but we tried. <laughs> and 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 I'm like, was that his actual? Um, was that actually how he said it? Oh, I don't even remember. 
because I couldn't picture him more. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Hey, so and then he ran. Yes. <laughs> and he ran and got a margarita. He used to always like disappear around around <laughs> the other side of his living room and like make drinks and bring them out. And there was one moment where I was like, what if he put something in my drink? That would be crazy. Like, because he like he's like the wizard behind the curtain. You know, we just have like margaritas yeah. and order pizza and, and hang out and watch movies that I had never seen. He's the I mean, that sounds like a dream. Fucking greatest human being. <laughs> it is a dream. It was all a dream. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you awake yet? You Unfortunately, dream afterlife. <laughs> okay, so so um, one more. We have time for one more question. Um, what was Julia Andrews like? Uh, Trey would like to know. Oh, she was a right cunt. She um, was. Damn. No, she, no, she was pure fucking magic. Yes, I am. Um, I'm a musical theater nerd. And so when I first met Julie, I think I might have peed a little. Um, <laughs> yes. Like, and she is one of the kindest, wisest, generous, humble beings that I have ever encountered. And I remember um when we had uh gary's uh memorial service we had to like take a bus to the thing we were on the bus and she had gotten on after me and i was just like looking out the window and she sees me and she's like heather i don't know if you remember me and uh, how 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 would I? You are seared into my heart. You are <laughs> seared into my being. How could I ever not remember you? Oh. You know, um, she is just uh, an absolute delight of a woman. And if uh, Disney actually pulls the trigger, um, it, it would be lovely to work with her. Yeah. Mm. You crazy. think they'll pull the trigger? fingers crossed i mean we'll we'll see you know you know how it goes right yeah, yeah. until you're on set i don't you don't know exactly exactly <laughs> and even then you still don't know <laughs> yeah you're rolling in the first scene <laughs> before you go i wanted to, i want to ask you two things the first thing is i wanted to talk about your i was on roseanne a few years before you were um <gasps> wait a minute i know exactly who you were i know exactly who you were you <laughs> You played um, Sarah Gilbert's friend. Yeah, her her like the the slutty neighborhood, her like nemesis sort of friend yeah. was like flirting Were with you David. Slutty? Is that like, oh yeah, I was always trying to oh, hook up with yeah. David. And y'all went to a concert. Yes, together. and I left her there. And you left her with there a dude. And something with like drinking. Yes, and, like whatever. Blah, yes, blah, blah. yes. Mousy older sister. Yes, um, who actually her she was the daughter in Mommy Dearest, who played my older sister. Her name's no. Mara. Yeah. I was like obsessed with that movie growing up. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I couldn't believe it. I know it's crazy. Um, what was your I didn't have the greatest experience on the show. Um, what was your experience like? At the time, I was doing Townies, mm. which was a failed show. Uh, for I Carson remember that show. Yep. Yeah. Um, and every day I would walk around the lot and it was like being in heaven, you know? And I was like, 
like went on to the Seinfeld set and Third Rock from the Sun and um oh god I always forget that John Livingston evening, there was show. an evening shade and then there was um um uh oh god my ex-boyfriend was on that the John's show um I oh, shit I don't remember but I know what you're talking yeah, all the great the, 90s shows yeah, yeah exactly so cool. and nice. Roseanne was like the penultimate you know and I remember walking on just on on I remember walking on the sound stage and I wonder if it was Jeanette um the stage manager at um, that time. I on. don't remember. Okay. Um I remember Jeanette uh like stopped me at the door and she recognized who I was. She was like, Oh my god, Rosanna's gonna love to meet you, but today's not a good day. Come back tomorrow. <laughs> so I went back the next day. Today's not a good day. Come back tomorrow. Went back the next day. Today's not a good day. Come back tomorrow. By like the fifth day, I'm even starting, I'm starting to annoy myself. <laughs> like, I, like there's a thing about being persistent, but we don't want to like border on nudge. Um, and that day happened to be a good day. And I walked on and you know how big that sound stage yeah. is from one end to the other. It's yeah, like an it's huge. football field. Yeah. And I, I won't do the actual vocalization of how loud Roseanne was, but she was loud. <laughs> she said, you. And everybody like scattered like roaches when the lights come on. Yeah. Right. Like it's like, I'm not going to be in the lineup like proverbial fire. And I'm looking around. And I'm like, She's like, yeah, you, get over here. So I'm like, okay, hi. What the fuck are you doing here? Oh, I'm doing Tony's. Why the fuck are you on that piece of shit show? I want you on my show. What kind of character do you want to play? Like, I, I want to play like a strong, independent woman, like, who has like a traumatic past or what else. Um, <laughs> every actor like, says Dan. and then she's like I'm going to have you on my show and um, I think Alan who was producing the show at the time um, was like okay like we'll get all your information that I am on cloud nine then one week goes by nothing two weeks go by nothing three nothing four nothing five and I'm like I, it was like my first experience with like the potential that somebody had lied to me, oh. right? Where it was like, oh, they're not actually a person of their word. Like, it's not going to happen. And then it happened. She is a person of her word. Yeah. And I mean, I got to work with Debbie Reynolds. Oh, yeah, shit. Really, wow. I had, I had been oh, obsessed yeah. with since the unsinkable Molly Brown, like one of my favorite movies growing up. And that episode was written by Carrie Fisher. Holy fuck. What? Yeah. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, wow. And I got to do like five episodes of that show for the final season. And for me personally, it was like a delight. I remember one specific episode. It was the episode where Roseanne won't get out of bed. And um, it was tape day and she hated the scene between us. And she was screaming at the writers. And then she called me into her trailer at lunchtime. She was like, how do you feel about improv? We're just going to improv it. 
And we improv that whole entire scene. Holy shit. We improvise that whole entire scene. What did that like scene become? Movie. And did you do this in front of an audience or did you do it? Yes. You did it. Wow. Uh, yes. We did it like a few times in her, in her private office trailer yeah. thing. And then we just went and we did it. And you can see me trying so hard not to fucking laugh. And break. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so difficult. Um, uh, that is so funny. Yeah, it was, it was, I feel very blessed that I got to be um, a part of that show you know and the truth is fuck it i'll tell this story and i'll tell this story now and this will actually be the only time i ever tell it um so you know as as you know like um we all grew up in 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 households that were abusive and, and whatnot blah, blah, blah. so um there was one day where um I, I think we were getting ready to go home and I wasn't packing my suitcase right. And my uh, adopted mom started pounding me in the head. And I, I left the hotel room and I just started running down the street and I ran into Jerry's deli. And who did I happen to run into but Alan, one of the producers and he could see that I was crying. He could see I was in distress. And then in walks my adoptive mom, like moments later. So I didn't even get a word in. Like, you know what I mean? It wasn't like, and and, and I think in those moments where you're just trying to, to leave to survive that you, it's like, it's, it's a fight or flight. It's, it's like, you're not even cognizant of what you're doing. And I um, was, I guess we were shooting again that next week because they would fly me home on the weekends. Um, and I'm in the makeup trailer and Roseanne kicks everyone out. And she's like, I'll adopt you. Oh. Whoa. I love her. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, no, no, no. You're going to make this so much worse than like it already is. Like, and if you interfere or inter like, I don't know what will happen. Yeah. Um, but she didn't let my mom come on set after that. Um, you know, which which kind of to a certain degree uh went with like like it 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 fit with the reputation that she had. Yeah. You know, that's so, so interesting. I remember her yeah. yelling at my mom to get off set. Which I didn't think about. I just, she kind of yelled at everybody that came in her way when she was, didn't want you around. So, you know, I, like you, I did a movie of the week with her and Tom Arnold where I played her daughter and we had such a beautiful time together and I would go to her ranch and we'd ride ATVs and like, I just, I would go see her sing and play when she had her band and, um, and she'd asked me if I wanted to, to be on the show. I'd never done a sitcom in my life. Not once. And I was six, 15 and yeah. I was like, I don't want to be in your shitty show. And she was like, huh? and then I was like, I'm just joking. Of course, I want to be in your show. I thought it'd be an episode. And then it ended up being um, 17, contracted for 17 episodes. And um, I was petrified, fucking petrified. I couldn't remember all those lines. I mean, it was just so traumatic. And um, she was always wonderful to me. 
but I just so happened to be there at the time that her and Tom were getting a divorce and there was a lot of like leaving early and, you know, working with her, her double and a lot of just like she was not in a good place. Um, yeah. But she was always wonderful to me. So I have two quick stories I'll tell you because they're kind of funny. Um, one is my dumbass. So this is this is so Roseanne. So it was the 100th episode anniversary party at the Roxbury. And I was in love with Johnny Galecki. Yeah. And at the time. I think Sarah maybe hadn't come out yet and there was something kind of going on, but like not really. And I didn't really know. And, but I didn't think there was anything. And, and it was me, Sarah Gilbert, Johnny Galecki and, um, Jenny, um, um, God, how am I forgetting Jenny's name? Um, um, camp Beverly Hill, uh, true Beverly Hills, Jenny Lewis, Jenny, okay. Lewis. you remember Jenny Lewis, right? Rilo yeah. Kylie. So, and I started doing shots they were doing, we were doing shots and they were getting me shots at the bar. And I got, you ever heard me tell this story? No. I got wasted 15? drunk. I was 15. I got wasted. Well, first time I got drunk, yeah. I fell down the stairs at the Roxbury. I went outside and I threw up in the bushes. My mom was, I don't even know where she was. Paparazzi took pictures of me. Oh yeah, you did. And shows. word got back to Roseanne and I didn't work for... 10 episodes out of my 17. Um, And I know she never said anything to me, but I know Johnny got a talking to, I don't know if he was like not on one or two episodes, but, um, but I got, I got in big trouble for it. Um, I, I, I didn't know any better. And Sarah at the time had asked me if I was into Johnny and I was like, Oh yeah, I have such a huge crush on him. And then she didn't really talk to me much after that. So it kind of put a, a weird thing between us, which was already weird because we were playing characters that that I liked her boyfriend, you know, it's like this kind of works. Yeah. So yeah. it was it always made me like I just felt like I fucked up. I fucked up. I fucked up. I have this opportunity. I was already nervous and uncomfortable and I fucked it up. And um, and then so that's that's the, the bad side. So I actually came back on the Connors last year and I did right. an episode and I was like, getting there at six in the morning, two hours before I was so excited and so nervous because I was like, I want to do good. I want to, but I hadn't, I have not actually been on a sitcom since that show in 1992. So it was my first time back and thank God it wasn't live audience, but first time back in 30 years. And it was like, no time had passed. So one day back in 1992, Sarah or, um, uh, Rosie is taking Tom on a cruise for their anniversary so during lunch, she hires this woman and this man to come onto like Darlene's bedroom set and she closes it off. If I told you this, she closes it off and it's me, um, uh, Sarah Gilbert, Sandra Bernhardt, Lori Metcalf, Rosie, and I think maybe Estelle might have been there and there's a woman and a man and the whole thing is to teach you how to strip for your man. What? <laughs> So it's this woman and this dude and there's like dildos and oh yeah, it was like this whole, like this woman was like, put her man in a chair and she like did this handstand, like where she like flipped backwards and had her like vagina in his face. Oh my God. It was, we were, it was like, she was taking him on a cruise. It was like, how to strip for your man. It was like, you know, like you have like bachelorette party and like how to give the best blowjob or whatever, you know? So she thought it would all be in good fun. We were dying laughing. 
I mean, it was closed off. The crew was told to get offset. And we, it, I just remember thinking, oh, my God, this is the craziest thing <laughs> I've ever seen in my entire. Imagine them trying to get Roseanne to learn how to do a handstand upside down on this woman's husband to do this for Tom. It was like fucking hilarious and amazing. So I the time in my life, I thought it was the best thing ever that I will never forget that story. Cut to a week later. When Child Protective Services contacted Roseanne. <laughs> what? And some one of the people, the man or the wife or both, contacted Child Protective Services and they contacted Roseanne that I was in danger. So Roseanne came knocking on my trailer and said to my mother, you need to tell them that they you gave her permission because I was a minor. Yeah, And my mom was like, she's emancipated. Anyway. Blah, 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 blah. I totally gave her permission. But it was like Roseanne was so flipped out that we did this yeah. awesome, fun, you know, beautiful thing. And it seemed great and everything was awesome. And then all of a sudden somebody turned it into something that it wasn't, which yeah. just would make her look bad. I don't know if it ended up being in like the, the Inquirer or some bullshit, you know, where people pick up on it. But they, yeah. I, but I'll never forget. I was like, God, I'm sitting with Sandra Bernhardt. I'm watching Roseanne do a handstand with her crotch in this guy's face. I was 15. I was 15. (laughs) I mean, it was crazy. And then my mom was like dating. um, Oh, God. My mom was dating Tom's assistant. And it was like, you know, it was just this whole, whole messy, messy thing. But, um, but I love her. I think she's got a huge heart and she's really an amazing person. She's definitely a mama mama bear. She is a mama bear. She is a mama bear. I love that story about her for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I mean, we, we have inklings of, of who she is today and, and all I can take away from it is the experience that I had with her during that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for you sure. Like that's, that's, that's all that's, that's, that's all I can do, you know? And, and uh, yeah, yeah. But it was definitely a very, very interesting um a very, very, very interesting experience. And, and, uh, I definitely know that she had a lot to contend with. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not something that I think that, um, you recognize at the time, especially when you look at the, the greater structure, um, of, of, uh, of like the, the world that you're, that you're occupying, you know, especially in a patriarchal sense. What are you doing right now? I know you've got, um, are you, you are you fundraising for something yeah. specifically you'd like to oh, talk about? Your other half? That is, that is finished. We, we, we shot the film. Great. process right now. Yeah. Uh, my, my wife uh, directed it. I produced it is um, going along swimmingly. Um, what is the title for everyone listening? It is called uh, The Green Ribbon Around Jane's Neck, which is based off the old folktale, The Green Ribbon, that yeah. you see in that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so it, it's excellent. It's I excellent. love it. Yeah. Congrats. That's awesome. Uh, you did we, it yourself. Woohoo! Yay! That's right. <laughs> We're all about that, trust yep. us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and did it with the help, and and that goes. No, I can't say that we did it all by ourselves because we did it with our community. Yes, of course. Like you know what I mean. Like yeah. it's it's a community effort. Yes, and and I hope that uh, the final product um, leaves everyone feeling uh, satisfied and that their money was well spent. Yes, because mm. we don't take we don't take that for granted. Of you know what I mean? Where it's like 
again, like we're, we're, we're working class artists. We're, we're like, it's, it's a community effort. Like that's, that's what it is at the end of the day. Where can all of our followers find you? What's your Instagram, Twitter, all that jazz? Um, God almighty, it would be nice, Heather, if you knew that. Um, <laughs> we can post it. Don't worry. Yeah. We'll, we'll go ahead. We'll share yeah, it for I you. I think it's Heather Madaraz because my last name is is so long. Um, <laughs> Heather Christine Marie Madarazzo, right? Chris, yeah, Heather Christina Marie Madarazzo. Heather Christina Marie. Got it. <laughs> you know, it's my, that is my full uh, adopted uh, Catholic name. <laughs> You're like, get rid of some of that <laughs> square way in that. Oh, Heather, thank you so much for joining yes, us. Yes, that was so lovely. Pleasure having oh, you thank on. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much. It was an absolute joy. Well, yes. next time we're at a con together, let's do dinner. Mm-hmm. Fuck yes, I would love that. <laughs> let's do it. Amazing, awesome. guys. Well, happy thank Valentine's so Day, much. everybody. Yes. And happy Tuesday. Hug your hug your person. And we're sending you lots of love have today. Lots of or sex. hug yourself. <laughs> and have sex with yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now. Every town has its dark history. Hometown Ghost Stories is a paranormal podcast that goes town to town all across the globe, exploring the world's most haunted places, tapping into the dusty archives and the darkest corners to bring you the most terrifying stories of real people and their harrowing experiences. Hometown Ghost Stories dives into the history of haunted locations and investigates why and how these places earned their terrifying reputation. Rob, Dave, and Jesse go live every Tuesday night after an uninterrupted documentary-style breakdown on the case, followed by an open discussion with live viewers. Subscribe today to listen to Hometown Ghost Stories on your preferred podcast platform or watch the video version on YouTube and now Spotify. Head on over to the Bloody FM Podcast Network and check out Hometown Ghost Stories, if you're brave enough. (laughs) 